Let's pray. Lord, we really want to hear from you. We're desperate for you, Lord. Just please speak to us, encourage us, sharpen us. Thank you that your word is powerful. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We're up for this. We want to hear from you. And I pray even now my words can be such an encouragement to every person in this place. Amen. Yeah. Um, thanks, James. And, um, you know, it is a mutual appreciation society. Uh, James knows that prayer without mission can so easily become pious and self-centered and all about us. Mission without prayer can become powerless and weird and worldly and selfish and all about us. And uh, the perfect partners are prayer and mission together. And real passionate prayer always results in mission. And uh, so, and I, you know, I learned that a while ago. So much as I'm an evangelist and um, mission is where my heart is, I know mission is never going to achieve what God's got for it without praying people behind it. And so I love this movement. And we've benefited so much over the years from, from this partnership. So I want to show you the latest Hire video. You do all know about Hire, don't you? Please tell me you do. Yes? You know, it's the largest youth mission in Manchester for a lot of years. Um, we've visited, well, thus far, over 40 schools in Manchester. Uh, we've got another 14 to go. So we'll have visited around 25% of the schools in this city. What an amazing thing that is. Tens of thousands of young people. This is not just visiting. This is full-on mission teams, boldly sharing the gospel. It's an amazing opportunity, amazing open door. Never happened before in such a short space of time. And every day, pretty much, we're getting salvation stories coming in from these schools before we even get to the five nights at the Apollo that start next Wednesday. So um, just watch this quick video, if you would. On February 22nd, Higher Manchester goes live. Over four weeks, our evangelistic teams will visit 60 schools around Greater Manchester, taking lessons, assemblies and sharing their faith in Jesus with over 60,000 young people. And the school's tour is just the beginning. Join us for four explosive concerts at the O2 Apollo Manchester, where as well as an amazing night of music, there'll be a clear, passionate presentation of the gospel. We'll see thousands of young people responding to Jesus. But Higher Manchester doesn't stop there. The Higher Tour is committed to producing disciples, not just decisions for Christ. We want to see radical followers of Jesus sold out for taking his love to a broken world. That's what it's going to take to change youth culture. And that means we're all involved. We need to get behind every new believer to encourage them on their new adventure of faith. So join us right at the start of the journey with LZ7, 1224, Brightline, Good Weather Forecast, Vital Signs, Chip Kendall, Kinetic IV and more. It's all happening at the O2 Apollo Manchester, March 16th to 19th. Plus, on Sunday, March 20th, there's one more massive night at the Apollo to celebrate all God has done. Tickets are available for all five nights right now at HigherTour.com. It's time to go higher. Okay. So, Higher is a all-hands-on-deck event. This is, this is war. 
And uh, when it's war, we don't sit in front of our tellies watching EastEnders. We get out and get involved in the battle, okay? So five nights, we need all hands on deck. We are desperate for people still to volunteer for our response teams. Is there any greater privilege than introducing some young person to Jesus, praying with them when they're ready. They've said a prayer of commitment, giving them resources, helping them, taking their information. We need people who are willing to do that for all nights. And Ben Jack is over here, the beautiful man in the baseball cap. Stand up, Ben. And uh, I'd love it if at the end of tonight, everybody here would volunteer. Uh, we need we need response team, people who will just, it's not like some big heavy counselling session. It's just praying with a young person, taking the information, giving them a Bible, introducing them to the resources, telling them the way we're going to follow them up. And then we'll train you before the event for that. So we'd love it if you get involved in that. We also need stewards on all nights. So Ben would love to take your name at the end of this evening or even during my talk. I don't mind if you wander over there and ignore me for a few moments and quickly give Ben your email address and, we'll, and the night you can be involved. I hope some of you will say, stuff it. This is Manchester's time. I'm going to do all five nights. I'll be there all five nights. So and I think lots of people in this room will as well. So please spread the word. Any young people you know, buy them a ticket. One of the amazing things that's happening is schools are buying tickets for all their kids and putting coaches on. How amazing is that? Heard of a, a school in Liverpool that's booked three coaches and tickets for their kids to bus them to the Apollo. How awesome is that? Not even a Christian school. It's just a regular school who just loves what's happened in their school. So, you know, this is a new day for us. Imagine how important it is you pray. Um, we have our, our next door, we have our Thursday night live event going on. And um, last month, I was at Thursday Night Live and I was driving away and I saw three shady looking characters hanging around outside the message and the door, the uh, shutters were up. And I said, oh, Michelle, I'm going to have to go up and approach those guys. So uh, I went back to these three large lads and I said, uh, uh, you know, thinking I was going to get battered. And I said, um, uh, can I help you at all, lads? And they said, we're here for the all night prayer meeting. <laughs> I thought, get in. I love what's happening. You know, God is doing something in this city and stirring some the kind of temperature of prayer that I've never experienced in all my life as a Christian. I'm not exaggerating. What's happening with this fast, what's the, what we're sensing in our message prayer, you know, my determination as the leader of the message is to keep mission hot and keep prayer hot. Prayer is the hottest it's ever been. The passion for prayer, the fasting, the expectation, the faith that's going on, which is such a good thing. And the outworking of that will be, will be souls saved for Jesus. Come on. This is not just any old fast. I love it's not like, you know, an introspective fast. This is a fast for them because we want to see souls won for Jesus, don't we? And it may sound old-fashioned language. It ain't old-fashioned. It's the most relevant contemporary thing that could ever happen. It's young people meeting Jesus, isn't it? I was reading uh, today in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7. You don't need to turn to it, but in 1 chapter uh, is the time when Samuel puts up an Ebenezer. You aware of that scripture? That this amazing breakthrough against the Philistines, against all the odds, God's people have broken through and won a mighty battle. And uh, Samuel decides to put up a remembrance. He calls it an Ebenezer, a whacking great stone. And he says this, 
we're putting up this stone because thus far the Lord has helped us. And he doesn't ever want the people to forget that thus far the Lord has helped us. And because thus far the Lord has helped us, we can have a full expectation that going forward the Lord is going to help us. A tangible reminder of the Lord's promises and the Lord's faithfulness. It's good to have your Ebenezer, as you know. As you look back in your life to think, God spoke to me. I received God's promise on that day and I can live in the light of it. Maybe I've not even seen the full measure of it, but I know God spoke. And here are the message trust. We have our kind of Ebenezer scriptures. For, for, for 20 years, we had two of them. The first Ebenezer, a thus far the Lord's helped us, a promise we can hold on to, a, a scripture that's like, a, I know God spoke to me that time. I'm convinced I'd stake my life on it. The first Ebenezer scripture that we have is Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 21. When we started the whole message adventure way back, even before we'd set the charity up and uh, the message was born out of a business that myself and my brother Simon had in uh, inner city Manchester. And we had a big surge in turnover in the mid-80s. Lady Diana wore a pair of our braces. That was our theory. And the next day, it was like every girl in Britain had to have a pair. And so uh, we went to the local job centre, didn't have a very good uh, recruitment procedure, and employed lots of local scallies to make these braces. And uh, we had orders for millions of them. Literally, it was crazy, crazy season. And we were like, faster! <laughs> and these kids were an absolute nightmare. And it's so, so funny that next door, it's almost like things have come full circle. You know, trying to provide jobs for, for people who'd struggle like mad to get jobs otherwise. So we gave all these lads, 35 of them, I think it was, in a really short space of time. And they were an absolute nightmare. And me and my brother were, a, were at a fashion fair in 1987. And we said, what are we going to do about these guys? And they just, not only is their li are their lives chaotic, but they just know nothing of the gospel. They really, the gospel is just, when we tell it to them, it's good news. But it is news to them. Nobody's really explained the gospel. And it wasn't one or two, it was all of them, dozens of them. What are we going to do about that? And we had a, a real sense that, you know, like it says in um, Psalm 119, how does a young man keep his way pure? And then David answers his own question, doesn't he? By saying, by living according to your word. The reason the young people in this city aren't living pure, godly lives is because nobody's teaching in the Word of God. The main reason there's all this suicide and raping and carnage going on amongst our young people is because the Word of God isn't being taught. Young people aren't relevantly hearing the Word of God. And so we said somebody's got to do something. And at Harrogate Fashion Fair, we felt the big lottery finger come down from heaven. It's you. Have you ever had that moment? It was a moment on that stand when we were like, why don't we have a go? And we said, why don't we book the Apollo Theatre for a week? Um, it was the, this is before the arena was even built. It was then the biggest rock venue in Manchester. Not for a night, but for a week. Why don't we write to every church in Manchester and challenge them to do mission? I'm telling you, 28 years ago, this was a very, very different landscape. In some ways, Manchester was the hardest place in the world to do mission, literally. Church decline was steeper in this city than just about any place in the world. I mean, clearly there were harder places to, to be a Christian where you're more likely to get persecuted. Uh, uh, but, and there was far greater poverty in lots of places in the world. But there was no place where church decline was steeper. And the church leaders divided. The largest church in Manchester was about 300 strong. And uh, 
that we'd never got through that ceiling. It was a tough landscape. And uh, but, but some faith came to these two young, brash businessmen, probably arrogant, certainly naive. And we wrote to every church in Manchester and we booked the Apollo for a week. We called it Message 88. And God blessed it. We flew by the seat of our pants. I remember six weeks after the Apollo, we'd, we'd had this amazing time by the Sunday night. Do it again, Lord, this week, next week. By Sunday night, kids were queuing up at half past two in the afternoon to get into the Apollo. And just an amazing sense of God's presence and salvation and churches working together. 300 local events in the build-up. All, all run out of me and my brother's little business there in Longsight. And, uh, but at the end of it, it cost about £100,000. And at the end of it, we had six and a half grand short. We paid all the bills and braces had gone out of fashion. <laughs> And we had about half a million yards of elastic. <laughs> you know, because there is this strange thing in the fashion industry where one day something could be the coolest thing in the world and the next day you can't give it away for love and the money. That happened with braces. Me and Simon didn't time it right. So suddenly we went from having like, you know, loads of money, loads of, loads of resource, loads of brace machinery, dozens of scallies that we were paying all this money to, so we couldn't sell braces for love and the money and we were desperately to get rid of them. People were cancelling orders like Billy owned. So our finances were really tight. We were up to our overdraft limit. We had six and a half grand we owed to the Apollo. And I remember going home that night, and this is before mobile phones, but I, I drove home like, oh God, you know, you told us to do this thing. And uh, it was so beautiful, but where's the money? And I walked in my house. I walked in my house, and that was my prayer pretty much all the way home. I walked in my house, the phone rang. It was an old lady saying, hello, my name's Olive, and um, I'd, I'm 87 years old, and I'd like to give you some money. I said, I'm 27 years old, and I'd like to receive your money. I said, where do you live? I don't do that anymore, honestly, at the message. I said, where do you live? She said, and it was about two miles. I said, I'll be round in 10 minutes. So I went, I did, actually. I went round, got a bunch of flowers. Went to a house. There's this awesome old lady who wrote the check for four grand for the young people of Manchester. We had this amazing time of prayer. She cried out and she had all her money in something called Barlow Clouds, an investment product. And she'd lost it all. And she said, God, if I ever get any of that money back. I drove into work. Simon, this lady's given us four grand. We opened up the post. There was a, a rebate from the VAT on the event for two and a half grand. How awesome is God? How amazing is God? Just another sign. He loves this thing when ordinary people who could never do this stuff on their own just step out for the sake of the lost. Well, anyway, the first night I drove back. I remember driving back from the Harrogate Fashion Fair uh, with when we'd had this idea. We'd written it all down, right? We're going to write to every church. We're going to book the Apollo. We're going to get all these cool bands and we're going to preach the gospel and see loads of kids saved. And uh, we drove back from the Harrogate Fashion Fair and the wheels of the car are about six inches off the ground I'm like me and Simon are going to take Manchester look out devil here come the Hawthorne brothers and I got into my bed that night and I just sat down in my bed I was like ew and that voice came into my head you joker who do you think you are organizing the biggest youth mission this man this city's ever seen 
you know, you haven't got the resources, you haven't got the experience. And I said, oh God, please, if this is you, if you really were speaking to us as we thought you were at that fashion fair, would you please speak to me through your word? And I opened my Bible and it was a kind of set reading for the day. And the verses that I read were these, and we put them on the bottom of our first letterhead that we wrote to every church. 18 to 21, Isaiah 43. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Springs up, do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. It's become a great big Ebenezer for us. You know, in that bedroom, I knew it was the Lord. The Lord said, I'm going to do a new thing in, this, in Manchester. In this desert city, I'm going to see rivers flow and it's going to be the wild animals that honour me. Good description of the lads we were employing. <laughs> but they were formed to declare his praise. That's right, isn't it? And so we did the message and, the, you know, in some ways, you know, we, the, the rest is, is history. You know, we, we then formed this funny band, the Worldwide Message Tribe, and then we, we set up the charity and, Started to grow a ministry. I left the business, downscale my lifestyle. One, you know, one man band to start with, and then a two man band actually, out of uh, my mate's spare bedroom. And then we started to grow the thing and and take on more bands. And and the the second kind of Ebenezer moment for us was when we did our first Eden team. I think you've heard of Eden. Now, are forty one Eden teams around the country. And hundreds of people have made that sacrificial step to live in the inner city. Came on the back of a mission in Bench Hill, just down the road, which was then the most deprived ward in Britain. And we had this idea that on the back of 100 kids coming to Christ, uh, a mission in the schools in Bench Hill, we'd move a load of people into Bench Hill. The first time I ever spoke publicly about Eden was at a, a meeting in, in uh, the centre of Manchester. And after that meeting, I said to the church leaders, we need you to give us some of your best people. We need some finances to do the first Eden team in Bench Hill. We need you to pray for us. And they said, this sounds like the Lord. We are behind you. We had this exciting time. I went and sat in a car park in, in Manchester, just near King's Church, you know, right in the center there. And I sat in the car park with my brother and we're just chatting to each other and uh, about how, how excited we were, but it's also a bit scary, this Eden thing we're going to do. Then Bench Hill was like, there were drive-by shootings, really, and prostitutes hanging on the corner. It was out of 34,000 wards in Britain. It was the most deprived ward of all. And, um, but we were going to move some people in and start to do some ministry in partnership with this local church. And I sat there in my car, like one, a little bit like we were right at the start of the of the message journey, excited, but scared, a little bit like I feel about next week, to be honest, still feel a bit apprehensive, got 17 and a half thousand seats to fill, still got 100,000 quid we need with a week to go, how many times have we been here, and uh, here we go again, but you know, that sense of faith and fear, intention, and come on Lord, so I was there, and I sat in my car park, in my car, in this car park, and a guy wandered over, and knocked on the car window. And uh, I wound the window down and he said, excuse me, lad, said, I, I, I know you don't know me and I don't know if you're Christians, if you get this kind of thing, but I've got a word from God for you. And uh, my brother said, you better get in the back then, mate. <laughs> and uh, and he, he climbed in the back of the car and he said, look, 
I've been sat there eating my sandwiches, just reading my Bible. You know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I really feel compelled to read these scriptures to you. And uh, we're like, go on then. And he said, uh, I just think it's for you. I don't, I don't know what this is all about, but I think I'd be wrong if I didn't do it. And he read Psalm 37, verses 5 to 11. Since found out he's a Y1 missionary, this guy called Philip, an amazing man of God who prays for like four hours a day and hears the Lord. And the verses he read were Psalm 37, verses 5 to 11. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He'll make the righteousness of your cause shine like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger, turn from wrath. Don't fret, it only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. It goes on to say the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. I know Almighty God spoke to me. That day in that car park, on the birth of the first Eden team in Withenshaw, he said, you're going to inherit a land for Jesus. He said, this is a righteous cause. I may be up and down like a yo-yo and often not the man I should be, but the cause of the least and the last of the lost burns hot on God's heart. It's a righteous cause. What we're doing during this month of going into these schools, kids who've never heard the gospel in language they can understand, trying our best to keep Jesus at the centre and be faithful to his gospel and calling out a response in the name of Jesus. It is a righteous cause. And I believe the righteousness of the cause is going to shine like the noonday sun. Anybody excited about that? I believe the meek are going to inherit a land for Jesus. He's, he's an Ebenezer. God spoke and we can look back at it. This whacking great big rock of a scripture. Oh God, you did say that. You really did say that. So let's keep going until we see the full measure of it. So we had those two scriptures that I would speak about more than any other. You find one there and you'll find the other dotted around the building. But then, about 18 months ago, so we grew the message, kept rolling out Eden teams and buses and bands and, and then we had the adventure of the Message Enterprise Centre. Once we saw all these, all these guys in prison come to Christ to provide them with work and jobs and home and support through the local church. And, um, and then about 18 months ago, this fellow that lots of you know, John Bunjo, came to speak at the message and he told us he'd been fasting and praying and he, he had a word for the message. And his word was, you're going into an incredible season of open doors. Some of us were here that, that Tuesday morning when he spoke to us. said, it's the word of the Lord. Season of open doors. He said, and you, Andy, you need to get away and seek the Lord. I was sat where James was right there. And I'm thinking, oh, no pants. That means 40 days fasting and praying in the desert. Well, I managed two days in the Lake District. And I ate. <laughs> James, I'm sorry, mate. But, uh, but, wow, the Lord spoke. I went away on the back of that word about open doors. And in the next few weeks, five, four of the people, five in total, brought the same word. Season of open doors, season of open doors. God just spoke into us that the Gullah's opening, opening a door that no man can shut. And um, in the Lake District, I, I went down, I was listening to this teaching from Paul Hallam in the, about, in the lighthouse about Isaiah 60. It's just so full of faith as I'm listening to Isaiah 60. And a really weird thing happened that um, you may have heard this before, but we had a house that we were trying to sell at the message. 
Some of our ex-offenders, you know, on the teams had done this house up in heat and mourn. It was beautiful. And there's no reason why it wouldn't sell, but we'd sat on it for 13 months. And um, the day before, we'd kind of had a heart in our boots. We'd reduced the price by £10,000. It was killing our cash flow because we needed to sell this house. And, um, and as, I'm, as I'm listening to Paul Hallam doing this teaching on Isaiah 60, he was talking about all the beautiful work he's doing amongst the poorest of the poor. And I said, oh, Lord, if we can just sell that house, I'd love to give Paul some money. Because we'd be tired of the message. I'd love just to give Paul some money if he could sell that house. Seconds later, the car phone went in my car. It was the estate agent said, oh, good news, Andy. We've got a cash offer for the house. And it's the full asking price before you reduced it by 10 grand. (laughs) And we got the full asking price. And we could give Paul Allen 50 grand for his orphanage. It's just a beautiful God thing. So on the back of that, I'm like so excited and so expectant. I went walking in the hills. Came back to my hotel room, put my Bible on my bed like, Lord, just speak to me. And I was going to turn to the book of Romans. I just felt like I went to look in Romans. I put my Bible on my bed. Isaiah 60, it fell open. And I had this awesome time with God. Ebenezer moment. A time when God just spoke something I will speak about for the rest of my life, I believe. That God spoke to me through Isaiah. Imagine if your scripture, right, is... Your touchstone scripture is the wild animals will honor me. Those are formed to declare your praise. And in Isaiah 60, in those moments, the Lord said, they're your people. They will possess the land. They're the shoot I've planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. The least will become a thousand, the smallest, a mighty nation. Imagine if your scripture is the righteousness of the cause will shine like the noonday sun and and before you're reading the word and it's saying arise shine for your lights come the glory of the Lord will rise upon you I just knew the Lord was bringing home what he said to me look look back but look forward and in those scriptures it says um, assemble my people says the Lord assemble my people And I felt like the Lord was saying it's time to step out and book some big venues again and assemble large numbers of young people who believe that his glory will come. Believe that the least will become a thousand. Not that we'll just see kids with their hands in the air at the end of an exciting gig, but they'll go into multiplication. We'll see disciples, not decisions. I came back and I was reading this stuff and I told the team that I really felt we needed to step out and book the Apollo again and go again for some big stuff. And... um, and I read this quote on the day that came back from this um, Polytechnic Institute in America. It said this, and it gripped me. If just 10% of any community can have an unshakable belief in anything, for good or ill, it will be adopted by the majority. If we can, if where, where 10% have an unshakable belief in something, it ends up affecting the whole of the culture. And I thought, man... Imagine if we could get 10% of our young people with an unshakable belief in this gospel. Imagine if we get 10% truly living for Christ, what could happen? The answer is youth culture could be changed. Kids couldn't be hanging themselves in the bedroom or being raped by the mates or all the disgusting things the devil's got planned for our young people. Instead of that, the righteousness of God can prevail. Young people can thrive and flourish. What a beautiful thought, don't you think? So we started thinking, what would it need? What would it take for, for to get to 
And the answer is, in schools, about another 200,000 disciples, we think. So that's what we're praying for. We might not do it, but we're going to have a flipping good go. <laughs> you know, we might not get there, but nothing is going to stop us trying. And maybe our God will be strong on our behalf. Even through a bunch of jokers like us, maybe we'll see a bumper harvest. Maybe we'll see more than 200,000. Maybe the 200,000 will lead to a mighty turn of the tide, inheriting a land for Jesus, the righteousness of the cause shining like the noonday sun, wild animals honouring him, rivers in the desert. Anybody excited about this stuff? Maybe it's our time, people. Maybe it's our time to see the breakthrough we've been working for and longing for. And going forward, anyway, on the back of that, we started to knock on the doors of schools. And it's amazing that, you know, 25% of the schools in our city invited. And many of them, once our bands go in unashamedly, they're saying, please, would you come back again? And the booking coaches. The weird thing is, the schools that have often been the hardest to get in have been the Christian schools. <laughs> it's nuts because the Christians are like, we're places of education, not evangelism. We don't want proselytization in our schools. Are you off your heads? I mean, the best chance we've got of getting great students who work hard and achieve great things and love their fellow students and turn their back on addiction and self-harm and suicidal thoughts and go on and change the world for the good, the best chance of that is the transforming power of Jesus, isn't it? The best chance of seeing educational attainment go through the roof. Seeing people who are beautiful sons and daughters is the love of Jesus, isn't it? Spread abroad. Every last little bit of evidence, even from people who don't believe what we believe, is that without transformation, you're never going to see ex-offenders turn their lives around. They can turn their lives around for a few weeks but without something, some engine for change. And we bring the greatest engine for change in the world, don't we? It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. He works, lost none of his power. Jesus can change stuff in a moment forever. I mean, do we still believe this? Yeah, I think we do in this room, but sometimes the church thinks sometimes, do we still accept that we have a great commission to fulfill? To go and make disciples wasn't a polite suggestion from Jesus. It was a command to go and make disciples. If we are not going and making disciples deliberately, determinedly, we are disobedient. First thing Jesus says to any man, woman, boy or girl is come, isn't it? Come to me if you're heavy laden. Come to me if you're weary and sick of your sin. Come to me if you're lost and you want to be found. Come to me if you want to live forever. Have a bright, bright future and something to live for till you get to eternity. Come. But what's the very second thing Jesus says to any man, woman, boy or girl? What is it? Let's go. Let's go. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's why hire is just trying to obey what he said. Trying to make 200 thousand disciples who will change youth culture and um, there's some stuff with hire that's never been done before it's really exciting 
I don't think there's ever been a youth mission where young people have been given a whole Bible. So you'll have the privilege, if you join our response team, we're not going to give them Mark's gospel or John's gospel. That's brilliant. We're going to give them the whole Bible. And we're going to give them all these sort of cool youth-relevant notes and little tabs so they can make their way around the Scriptures. We're going to give them a whole Bible because this is your, the lamp for your feet and the light for your path. Yeah, it's great to have online resources, but what about the written word of God just to take home? How do you think that's awesome? I'm so excited about that. I can't wait to be in the Apollo. You just become a Christian. I'm going to give you the most precious gift in the world, the word of God that you can help live life to the full. This book, this precious book, I'm going to give them a whole Bible. We've got all sorts of cool online resources. So if you join us and you pray with those kids at the Apollo, you're going to send them home and you're going to say to them, on your phone or your, on, your, on, your, on your iPad, just watch these quick, short videos before you go to bed tonight. And there's the evangelist who's been on the stage just confirming what they've done. You know, and this is the start of a new life. Prayer, this is prayer, this is the Bible, this is church, this is mission within moments of making that commitment never happened before has it because we couldn't do it before the devils had just had a field day hasn't he with with mobile um, with with screen culture what about if we redeem that for jesus uh, please before you go home tonight will you download the higher tour app if you got free just put higher tour in your app store and you'll see this amazingly cool app that thousands of kids in schools all over this region are downloading. Tells them where their follow-up course is. Tells them where there's a relevant church. Gives them all, all sorts of access. Explains the scriptures to them. And all kinds of resources. And we've got all these cool resources. Never been done before. The other thing that's never been done before, as far as I know, is 40 days of fasting. In the build-up to a major youth mission. I don't know, certainly not on this scale. I've not been aware of it anyway. When James came to me and said um, the, uh, the idea, and he said, oh, by the way, the fast ends on the last day of hire. Just the way he planned it all out. So it's the, the 40 days, is the 40 days of fasting and seeking the Lord and pressing in. And even in my office, we had a little moment, didn't we, where we thought, maybe this is our time, mate. Maybe this is our time. You know, maybe all these promises, maybe God's just called his people to fast because he wants to do something extraordinary. Because just track the history of the church. That's exactly what happens. People get called to pray, which preempts a move of God. Jesus said, he didn't just say go, did he? He didn't say go into all the world and make disciples. He did say that. But yes, he said, all authority has been given to me. There was a delegated authority. And he said, I'm with you always as you go. This is not some nice little idea. We go in fear, fear and trembling. We go with the full authority of Jesus. Nothing, no demon from hell is strong enough to resist the power of this gospel. When we're singing, we declare war. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, we declare war. We say, we declare war. The devil's like, you, you pathetic little man, leading your pathetic little prayer movement. But then he suddenly says, in the name of Jesus, because I'm covered with the blood of Jesus, I'm coming in his authority. So I go, I pray in his authority, and I go in his authority. And suddenly, this little man, demons of hell are quaking. The devil himself is like, what's going on? I'm having to retreat. 
And the kingdom of God advances. It's not James, is it? It's the Lord Jesus in him. It's right, isn't it? All authorities actually not been given to us. It's been given to him. Jesus has all authority. He made the universe. He started the thing. He, you took your last breath because he said so. He's going to end the thing. He's Lord of all glory. He says, all authority has been given to me. So you go and you go knowing this for sure, that I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. As you go, there's a special presence of God we carry. You know, we press into God in worship, we seek him, but there's something about going that carries the presence of God. Something about those evangelists going into the schools, something about going into the big arenas. And I'm believing that the Apollo is just the start. I'm like, God, can we have the arena? Somebody prophesied, I mean, a proper prophet who hears God prophesied, we're going to see Old Trafford cricket ground. I'm like, you sure it wasn't football ground? You sure it was a cricket ground? He said, no, cricket ground. But I know that I was 60,000. I've seen Coldplay there. I want to see the presence of God in that place. Glory of Jesus. So I think, yes, it's a major step forward, I believe we're going to see, but it's another stepping stone to the full measure of the righteousness of the cause shining like the noonday sun of the rivers in the desert, the wild animals honoring me. Come on, Lord. Finally, said um, said there were things that give me so much hope over higher. The Bibles, the discipleship resources, the prayer temperature, fast, gives me so much hope. But I never want to forget. I never want to forget. I can't save a single person. I could kill myself. I could sacrifice everything I could we got there we go there they are 10,000 Bibles for you Jesus just wait there they are the boxes of them just waiting to be given to this first fruits of this 200,000 we could do everything right there's only Jesus who can save but he loves to save he specializes in saving today the 11th of March 2016 more people are going to be saved than at any time since Jesus rose from the dead Did you hear what I just said? Jesus is moving in this earth in unprecedented power. We are actually seeing what's called an end time harvest. Just look what's happening around the world. Look what's happening in my lifetime. The world's been turned upside down. There are more people coming to know Jesus than at any time since he rose from the dead. God, what about us? What about Manchester, Lord? What about now, Lord, for you? We want to present one more. Is there any more beautiful acts of worship? There's one more for you, Jesus. One more young person who the devil had plans for destruction and harm, but you've got plans for a hope and a future. Come on, can we just stand and pray for that? I'm done, but I just want to pray, Lord. Just please, Lord, will you do what only you can do? Will you save young people? Let your gospel go out faithfully in power, Lord, and will you save some people? Yet you 
evangelists be faithful and fearful with every word in the right sense, Lord. Let the prayers pray and the evangelists go and let us work together because it's time for our harvest to bring in this harvest for you, Jesus. Have your way in Manchester. Every school, every venue, Lord, all the little youth events that are happening every night, let us see a big harvest even before we get to the Apollo. Lord, will you fill that venue, not just with young people, but with an awesome sense of your presence. Give us a harvest, Lord, not just a few young people, just a culture-changing number of disciples. We're sick and tired of hearing about suicide and self-harm and eating disorders. Our young people who have so many things but are so lost, you're the only hope, Jesus. Thank you that all authority has been given to you and that you You'll allow us to have that delegated authority to go in your name. And you say, I'm with you. Lord, help us to live like it, go like it, pray like it, preach like it. And let us see a harvest that only Jesus can bring. Thank you that you love to do this, Lord. Have your way, Jesus, in this season. Amen.